You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. The show you're about to listen to is part of the Hopped Up Network's growing family of craft beer podcasts in the U.S. and Canada. I think it's great. Find this show and others like it at hoppedupnetwork.com, the spot for informative and entertaining craft beer podcasts. I love it. I love you guys. You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. You're listening to the Pints and Provisions podcast with Evan, Mark, Ryan, and Dan. You're listening to the Pints and Provision Podcast with Evan, Mark, and Dan. Oh, I forgot to... I can't Yeah, let's get started, boys. Um, Evan Pike here with the Pites and Provisions podcast. Ryan is here. Uh, he brought some friends with him, uh, Dylan and Dennis. So go ahead and introduce yourselves, gentlemen. Uh, I'm Dennis Bukite. Uh, so during the days, I fill my time by distilling alcohol and uh, running <laughs> fermentation downtown here in Peoria. Uh, then in my free time, uh, I do a lot of brewing and uh, fermenting of wine as well. Or pickles. That's a big deal for me during oh, yeah. summer, right? Yeah. That's definitely. a provision. That's a pro- <laughs> to- totally a provision. Yeah, perhaps I should have brought them. <laughs> <laughs> we could do a pickle and beer tasting. Pickle would have gone good with this Lambic, Yeah, absolutely. to be quite honest. And then, uh, Dylan, uh, we've uh, hung out at the Peoria North Peoria Craft Beer Fest. Friend of Ryan's, so thanks for joining us, too. Yeah. I like to drink, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Always Official, remember to be right uh, up on the tester. mic. Be right up. On, yeah, you can Official always, always, always be joining us for a taste. Um, we started off drinking the Cantillon 2017 uh, Vigneron. So Here at Poor Brothers in Peoria, Illinois. Thanks, thanks, gentlemen at Poor <laughs> Brothers. We appreciate you guys hosting us. Um, so that's what we're kind of sipping on now. But first thing, what we like to do, and if we catch you off guard, that's just too bad. Best thing you've drank does not have to be beer. It can be beer. But best thing you've had this past week or two. Anybody ready? Yeah, sure. All right. Best thing I've had is uh, right now is uh, I'm drinking orange San Pellegrino with um, with um, I wanted to say Seagrams, but that's not right. But with gin, nonetheless. Interesting, because San Pellegrino is like the orange. It's that's a little sugared. Yeah. Right. So think gin and juice. Gin and juice. I like it. All right. Ryan, you want to go? San Pellegrino is different than what you have uh, on tap at your house? Yeah, because what I have on tap at my house is just tap water, and then I add my own, like, fruit after the fact. Because I don't want to mess around with, like, cleaning the keg out yeah. excessively in the keg lines. Because if it's just carbonated water, I mean, I clean it out, but I don't have to be as vigilant about it. So, yeah, I always keep a keg of carbonated water at home because the kids and wife really like that. Ah. Yeah. CO2 so, on the carbonation? Yeah. That's yeah, fair. Tap water and CO2. It's a cheap, uh, it's a cheap um, uh, LaCroix at home. Brilliant. That's a good way to get that carbonation fixed, too. That's what I found. Yeah. Hey. Like on the days that you're kind of going, like if you do like a, a dry week or something like that, I mean, you go down there, you slice some lemon up, maybe put a little basil in it, too. You just have a nice, refreshing bubbly. Keep the kids from drinking pop. 
Well, the, pro- the problem is, is I have a two-tap tier, so I got to make sure they know, or at least I am pouring, one is beer, yeah. one is for one adults, is water. One is not. My one daughter is clear, one is not. My daughter can't yeah. read, so. Yeah. So far has not been a problem. All right, Ryan, what's up? I'm going to stick. Uh, I had some really good beers around the 4th of July, but I'm going to stick with the Live Oak Pills. Yes. It's uh, just with the heat and the humidity and everything else. I've been on a Pilsner kick, and uh, Phase 3 out of, uh, out of yeah. Chicago has made a really good one recently, but this Live Oak Pills is just... I've, uh, Jason out of Texas sent me a 12-pack of them, and uh, I just love drinking that on the 4th of July out in the sun, and nice 4.7 uh, Pilsner. That's a good one. So Pilsners typically come out of, I think, I mean, Pilsner Kells Czech, and I yep. think that's commonly a Czech beer, and I think Live Oak does some of those European styles the best. So I mean, they're like all it's terrific. lagers and, yep. and Hefeweizens. And the Live Oak Hef is great, but, um, yeah, it was hitting the spot. Oh, I'm, I'm only going to dovetail on that because I will say that over the 4th of July for how hot it was, my favorite was a Pilsner. It was the Revolution Pills, the yep. Rev Pills. Again, same reason. Hot day, you can pour a couple of those in a big Yeti, and it's nice and refreshing, uh, nice clean aftertaste, good, good kind of bitter pilsner taste. Perfect. Well, I think most people drink pilsner. Like if you know your wife wants a beer, you hand her one, she's not going to be offended by the flavor of a pilsner. Right, right. right. You shouldn't be, especially yeah. some of the ones the the American pilsners. A lot of them are hopped a little bit, so yeah. there's a little bit of bitterness to it that kind of takes out maybe what you would get a little bit as skunky on some of the European ones. Yeah. Um, maybe but that's it's a little old better world balance, hops. But yeah, those are a lot true. of those yeah. old world hops, too. They're a little They're bit great. skunky, but that's kind of the way they taste. All right, Dylan, you're up. Mine, my beer is a direct reflection of my backyard. It is a very green. <laughs> so uh, one of my good friends, Brandon, uh, gave me a treehouse very green. And uh, I drank it immediately following mowing the backyard over the hot weekend. Um, warmed up with a couple pills. and That's a good one. It yeah. was a fantastic uh, beer from the end of June, from the middle of Massachusetts. So Awesome. That's a good one. Good old treehouse. Absolutely. So um, we've got this Cantillon Vigneron, Vigneron. Um, and one of the things at least Ryan obviously knows Dennis more than I do. It said he's a big wine guy. Uh, you make your own wine. That's one reason that at least I wanted to bring this is because uh, Cantillon, of course, makes some of the best lambics uh, in the world. Well, there's only one place to make lambics, but out of, out of Belgium. And if you listen to our last podcast that we did with... Uh, Owen from Brussels Beer City, uh, who lives in Brussels, will tell you that uh, an interesting thing about all that their stuff is, you know, lambics, of course, are a very tried and true Belgian style. It takes a long time to make, but this is one of them that's made with the, the white wine grapes. And so being a little bit of a hybrid, I thought you might enjoy this. So hopefully um, you can kind of see what a wine beer hybrid really kind of comes together in terms of a, a nice lambic style. A lot of good acidity. Um, of course, with lambics, they're all spont- pretty much all spontaneous yeah. fermentation, so you right. do get a little bit of a ton of funk yeah. uh, to those. But uh, at least one thing that Owen was telling us is like they will not stray 
whatsoever from what they've been doing for hundreds of years. They refuse to. Yeah. So they're not going to change HVAC systems, heating and cooling. If it's just hot one year, it's hot one year. If it's colder one year, it's cold one year. That's sort of like the wine industry where you're just sort of a reflection of the terroir. Yeah, and I think you, you develop, a, call it a house flora of wild yeast and bacteria that are just natural in your atmosphere, right? And especially if you're, if you're brewing with open vat fermenters, right? You're going to get that from the atmosphere, and that's important for consistency as far as product quality and keeping your customers, right? They want that same or similar flavor year after year that you're going to get from not turning over equipment, right? Not changing the HVAC. I think, though, that sometimes it does lend itself a little bit to some variation from year to year. Like some people will say, hey, this year was better than last year. Last year was better than this year. Uh, But talking to Jason Perkins, who's at Allagash, who does a lot of Belgian-style beers, and they have a cool ship, he really feels like a lot of their house flora, mixed flora, comes from not just opening the windows and the the wind blowing through, but it's a lot of just what's in the walls, what's in the paint, what's in the wood in the room. Yeah. Wow. I think the big thing with, uh, maybe you can help me understand with with grain, but certainly with grapes, year to year, the the change in in climate and the weather and rain, right? So in other words, if you have a year that's full of rain, your grapes are going to pick up a lot of moisture and they're going to be diluted, right? And so your flavor is going to be less concentrated than a year that's very dry, right, where your sugar inside your grapes is concentrating up, and now you're ending up with really a lot more bricks at the start of fermentation, right, because you've got all this sugar, not a lot of water, and you have a higher potential for higher levels of alcohol. Yeah. How does uh, I learned a little bit from uh, this friend of mine who runs a distillery with his brother up in Leclerc about, you know, at least the differences of making something like uh, distilled spirits in beer, Help me understand a little bit more about the process of wine and how it's different and how it's similar to beer. Well, I, I, the, the biggest difference right off the bat is the cooking process, right? And so really when you're making a beer, um, you're going to need to have like a malted, a malted grain or you're going to have to bring in an enzyme that's going to break down the starch into sugar. And so right off the bat, you're dealing with the different raw materials. Starch, as in your, in your grain, right or with sugar as in grapes and so that's the biggest right off the bat and it's how are you going to break down the starch inside your grain to a sugar and so with a malted barley what you're doing is you're you're taking barley and you're essentially steeping it in hot water and temperature to get that yeast they're the natural enzymes to start growing yep where you don't have to do that with grapes right it's a lot easier you're already broken down into into a sugar and so right off the bat it's there's a big change there and so really, I think with, especially with wine versus, say, a sour beer, with wine you want to inoculate with a bunch of yeast. You want your yeast to outgrow the bacteria very quickly. Whereas maybe that's not so much the case with a sour, right? So and with what we're drinking right now, you can kind of taste some of that acidic, that lactic acid, the acetic acid. And you, so you know that, hey, they had some bacteria growing with this fermentation that they wanted. Like we're, bread. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, and, and so with a with a, a true wine, you would never want Brent in the same room. That's right? like yeah, that's like the enemy of wine. <laughs> yeah. And so it's a big it's a big worry at my house, right? Because upstairs I'm making pickles, which is lactic, <laughs> acidic, it's bacteria, right? And downstairs I've got the wine cellar, and so it's like 
you know, go through two levels of security before entering the basement, right? <laughs> so the wine's extra quarantine. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. But I, I think what's really exciting there is is starting to use things like bretomyces and other fermentation, like we're doing now, you know, in, in beer. Or, or when I'm fermenting pickles, you know, I'm throwing in hops or bretomyces to see what happens. And it's really kind of seeing neat things right now in industry with everyone trying different things like that, which is essentially what we're drinking right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good breakdown. So is there is there a boil process? Because, you know, most brewers, you kind of go through a boil process to help continue to not not only sanitize but break down those sugars. So, so what you're relying on in the wine industry is, is really additives. You're going to add like a pectic enzyme, right, okay. that's going to do that for you. Uh, so you're, you're really relying on chemical additives. Now, there's going to be some natural enzymes occurring on the grapes, yeah. especially on the skin, right? Um, but really, when you're bringing in wine, you're going to kill off the wild yeast that's on the, on the skins. You're going to add, like, I believe it's a sulfite that will kill the, the, the wild yeast. And perhaps in this, I think they would leave it, right? They wouldn't add that sulfite to kill the yeast. They want that. They want that in their fermentation. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Which is another thing, at least when I was learning about distilling, is they don't have to worry very much about sanitation to a level that a beer maker does is because once you get to the distilling portion, you're dealing with such high alcohol content, you don't got to worry about stuff growing. That's right. So, like, the, the barrel process and transferring... Um, grain alcohol to the barrel, you know, for making bourbon. There's no like cleaning out and um, um, sanitation to a level when you're a beer maker and you have everything. You're like gloves. I've got star sand next to me at all times in a little spray bottle, and anything I touch, I spray because in those situations, bacteria can easily take advantage of the situation. Whereas in grain alcohol, it's just killing it. That's right. Uh, well, I. Th- I th- the one exception is on the front end, right? I think whether you're making beer, whether you're making wine, or whether your final destination is a spirited product, on the mash preparation, and when you're talking about, hey, how am I going to have a healthy fermentation, that's where sanitation is important. Because you have to remember, as, as sugar is being consumed, if it's going to make lactic acid, acetic acid, or, or byproducts like glycerol, what you're doing is your yeast or your bacteria are consuming the sugar. And we want, we want ethanol, right? We want alcohol. And, and really, even with beer, if you want a higher percentage of alcohol, you don't want these byproducts because your sugar's being used for these acids, right? And so I think regardless of really what industry you're in on the front end, on the fermentation, that's where you care about bacteria control. Uh, and then, like you're saying, maybe on, on the distillation side, on the back end, you can kind of let it go a little bit more than say say in wine or in beer on the back end wine and beer you still have to you have to be careful yeah have we have we lost anybody yet (laughs) (laughs) i don't i was gonna say i don't even know what question to ask because i don't even i'm following but there's so much going on that i'm just like i don't know this is uh i'm i'm very uh this is very insightful but i don't even know what to to ask about I'm just sitting here thinking, okay, like from the idiot's perspective, you see uh, in movies and things like that, people stepping on grapes in like at a winery to help make wine. And I'm like, all right, where in this process is, is what uh, Dennis is talking about? Where does that that come into play? (laughs) But, uh, cause, cause I brewed plenty of beers. I've, I've brewed with them before and I started homebrewing, um, a while back as well. And 
I'm trying to envision how that how that ever translates over into the wine or bourbon world, and I just it's it's tough. Yeah, it's just so much. It's so much different, like you said, with the, just the way the starches and sugars and everything's broken down. Well, I, I think when we were making beer at the house, right, we're boiling, and so you're killing off a lot of that bacteria, right? Whereas we go back to smashing grapes with feet. Well, we're not going to cook grapes, right? And so, that, yeah, that's a problem. You have to you have to rely on chemicals to kill any kind of outside influence you have there whether it be bacteria or or yeast for that matter i've had a lot of people you know talk about beer say that it's more of a cooking process and then of course as i mentioned before wine is much more of a terroir process and a factor of the grapes that you're using so you know one brewer in california can get the same um or can get a different malt, I should say, than the guy in New Jersey, but they can sometimes put out a very similar product because it's basically just cooking to a degree, if you, if you really want to simplify it in a way. I'm sure that the wine industry is very different. I mean, it's not why you can get a, as good of a, a white wine in Virginia as you can get something that's like from New Zealand. I heard a, uh, a wise tale once about a gentleman who was, uh, was starting a, a beer brewing industry or, or brewery, I should say, right? <laughs> and so and so he was looking at what is his recipe going to be, right? What's his mash bill going to be? Maybe not the hop side of it, but really the mash bill, like the grains. And so the story I heard is that he, he went through a bunch of different recipes of, hey, what, what do I want my mash bill to be? And finally he gave it to his wife and said, I want you to brew, or excuse me, bake loaves of bread with all these different grain bills and so she did this right and he kind of blind tasted every one of them right and he took the one that he thought tasted the best and that was his base recipe for his beer i love it that's so, yeah. i mean it's really it's a cooking process right yeah, that's what you're doing process i totally see the parallels to that and i think that's an awesome concept yeah do you think uh, i can get my wife to bake for some all the years i've been in the craft beer i can't believe i haven't ever thought of that yeah. so so right now actually um is it Founders that just came out with a raspberry beer and it's maybe 10%? Is that Rubeus? I don't think Rubeus is 10%. I think it's 5 or 6. Okay. To look that Blushing up. Monk. Blushing that's Monk. That's it. That's it. like 10%. You. Okay. So the other night we yep. have a, a pre-made box of beer bread, right? My wife doesn't know anything. She reaches in the fridge and goes, oh, look, this, this is supposed to taste like raspberry jam. I'm going to put this inside of our beer bread tonight. Now, at first, I was a little upset, right? Now, yeah. you know, doubt. she's grabbing, you know, my beer out of the fridge and cooking with it. But let me tell you, delicious beer bread. I mean, just <laughs> like raspberry-coated beer bread. I was so happy. I was like, oh, I'm glad I wasn't complaining before dinner, right? <laughs> you yeah, should do that with that thicket that you got oh, from the side oh, project. Oh, man. Yeah, I got a few of those. I could, I suppose. Oh, no. I don't know. That's good that's, beer. That's, that's almost too good. Dude. That's almost too good. Almost too good. So Dennis is a big blues fan. Yeah. Uh, go Stanley Cup champs. Oh yeah. And um, he uh, happened to be in St. Louis the morning the side project announced the uh, release to to the public of uh, Brandy Vanilla Cinnamon. 
BBC. Yeah, I woke up I to uh, text messages and phone calls, get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> I think actually uh, there was a few releases that day, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. That was the same day Perennial released Barrel-Aged Abraxas. Yeah. And and people so, in line for Barrel-Aged Abraxas left the line to go to Side Project because oh yeah. that was a more rarer and higher sought-after beer or whatever you want to say. Yeah, and the family was split. Half went one direction, the other <laughs> half went the other. Grandma went over here and Grandpa <laughs> went over there. All the while they're celebrating the Stanley Cup victory. Right. right? Yeah, nice. good timing for all that. Yeah. yeah, the yeah, the the BVC was a great like cinnamon toast crunch in a bottle kind of a kind of a beer. Um, and of course barrel aging Braxis always stands up on its own. So. so so let's talk about barrel aging a little bit, right? In the in the spirits industry it's a big big deal on not only what your barrel selection is but where you store your barrel um and and, you know let's talk you know really if you're talking something like um a bourbon and you're going to age a bourbon in the top of your rack house rick house warehouse whatever you want to call it right if you think about the atmosphere in the attic of your house that's like the top of a rack house right so it's hot in the days, it's cold at night. You have heavy turnover as far as temperature and humidity. Okay. And as you work your way down a house or a, a warehouse, right, it becomes more climate controlled. Now, let's think about the basement, right? Now you've got something completely different, right? It's cold. It's dark. It's musty, right? Maybe there aren't doors being opened or maybe there's not cracks in the walls or in the attic, right? It's a big deal. And that's how you separate, say, your Pappy Van Winkle. Well, how, And how tall are these rack houses typically? So think eight stories. So mm-hmm. think eight okay. stories. That's all mine at work are eight stories. And so, yeah, you know, that's a huge difference. And massive, right? Yeah. And so some of your more, call it hot, spicy bourbons, something that's maybe a little more green, right, is going to be at the top of the rack house. Whereas... Your older, your 12, your 15, your 28 bourbons are going to be down at the bottom. So I guess my curiosity is how has that been incorporated or is it at all into beer aging, you know, bourbon barrel aging of beer? And it might even be something that could be the next breakthrough for these people who are looking for an edge on their competition, right? Because obviously we know that barrel aging right now is the big thing, right, for beer. But what's going to make you stand apart? Right. Well, I, I don't know. Go ahead. I think you need a barrel from the Jim Beam fire. I, you know, I survived the Jim Beam fire of 2019 that killed a bunch of fish, but it might have a little more uh, toasted flavor. Yeah, I think I know, I know we probably talked about this a little bit, maybe not in this much detail, but uh, I think that, and honestly, it's probably a big influence from Side Project. Um I mean, Corey King, who owns Side Project, Dennis, is probably considered to be the mastermind in the beer industry of barrel aging. Of blending. A blending. Blending. A blending. Doing exactly what wineries and bourbon distilleries are doing when it comes to tasting barrels and Uh, figuring out the perfect combination to make the right uh, mix of of liquid. So, um, you know, he's, I don't I can't even imagine what they're you know barrel warehouse looks like yeah um with you know i don't know if they have you know different barrels from uh from from jim beam and and jack daniels yeah. and uh 
and obviously Buffalo Trace well, and different places. I thought a lot of their barrels were, were Missouri oak barrels. Is that they do they do that for some of their saisons? Yeah, um, and then some of the the stouts that they do come from uh, from some some of the premier bourbon makers. So they're doing a bunch of blending and different things like that. Um, I think. Other places will keep it local, like Weldworks. Um, some of the cans that Evan yep. got from Weldworks, they uh, they use Breckenridge Distillery, so yes. they always they use all their bourbon uh, bourbon barrels and age their stout in there. But they still do blending and they check them all and based on the location of the barrel warehouse, even if it's it may not be different elevation levels, yeah. but yeah. still different parts of it or whatever. So they're yeah. doing blending and, and checking and things like that and. You'll hear about them dumping some out and, and just not being satisfied with it and, and oh, things yeah. like that. So there's a ton of that going on. I know you know that's that's on the stout side of things, and then you've got it's totally different I mean, than on the lambic side of things or the uh, like the spontaneous the wild fermentation ones because there they're doing. I mean, you have to blend those, yeah, because you'll really get a lot of variation probably between you know like and that's what Cantillon does. It's it's that Solera. You know, a lambic is, or an oud goose, I should say, is technically a blend of three-year lambics. A uh, one-year, two-year, three-year, because you have a much softer product on a three-year, a much harsher product on a one-year. But once you start blending them, then you really the can kind of balance out. And that's yeah. where you can, like you said, you can get consistency. Yeah. That's what it's like, okay, this year I think I'm going to need a little less of one and a little more of three, et cetera, et cetera. And I think yeah. that's... I think it's much more integral when you talk about spontaneous beers and lambic style or lambic beers than when you're talking about stouts. Now, I know that I don't know how much like Jay Wakefield blends their stouts, at least when they come out with one that's like maple, bourbon, rye, you know, this, that, and the other adjunct stout versus when Corey King does BBT. I mean, that is a blended stout. That's a blend of three or four different beers, yes. let alone how many barrels are, are actually being blended to make each of those three or four different beers. Now, they do cuvées, you know, like Bake Kujira is a cuvée, um, Grand Cru from Angry Chair is a cuvée, and I don't know if that's yeah. a blend after the process of barrel aging or if they're, I'm pretty sure it is, um, but that's a little, I feel like the stouts are probably a little bit different in terms of barrel aging. I guarantee that they don't have the volume and number of barrels in a stout sort of capacity that they're really worrying about what's on the eighth floor versus what's on the first floor. Yeah, now, and Cantillon probably does. Yeah, and, and so much right now in the beer world is uh, you've got the, the blend of the wine and bourbon, and I would even say just the, the wine and spirit industry blending with beer is, is incredible because... Um, especially, you know, we're drinking, we've got the Three Floyds Hangi 19 open now. Speaking um, of bourbon barrel-aged stouts. So, you know, they, they've used other spirits than just bourbon. No, um, weird but, stuff. You know, ryes have been in the mix. Um, but a lot of the, the ryes and bourbons go in with stouts. Yeah. So, so just about all, all the breweries out there doing some kind of bourbon or rye barrel-aged stout. And then on the flip side, um, wine barrels are being used to, to age, uh, or empty wine barrels are being used to age uh, saisons and sours in all over the country. So, I mean, it's really that influence of such an old world uh, style of, of, you know, fermented liquid making is, is, or distilled liquid making is really influencing the beer world um, at a pretty fast rate right now. 
Well, I think, uh, you know, barrel technology and barrel aging is, is almost endless, right? Because you can, you can even get down to what char you're going to use inside your barrel, right? And so you can kind of match that with what kind of beer you're making where, or maybe something darker, right? So if I'm going to make a red wine, I'm going to use something with a heavier char, the barrel, right? That's going to have a little bit more of that toasted flavor to it, maybe a little more burnt, right? Uh, whereas something like, a, like a, this, first that we, this first beer that we drink, something that's lighter, you're going to want a lighter char or something that came from the wine industry, something that came from a white wine rather than a red wine or a bourbon barrel, right? Yeah. 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 Do they ever use new oak in beer world? A lot, yeah. A lot Without of new oak, the char. a lot of French, new French oak, new American oak. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Awesome. Well, that's another big thing, that right? This may go into barley wines more, I'm trying to think, but it's definitely used. I mean, yeah. A lot of places will just say oak barrel age, so I think for the most part, if they say that, then it's definitely going to be new. Mm. Um, I would only say that just from a marketing perspective that the public's perception is probably, if it says bourbon barrel aged, it's going to be sexier <laughs> versus oak barrel aged. Um, but there's uh, all of that's going on. Yeah. I mean, I'm just waiting. You know, you know, side project's been open, I think, uh, eight years at this point, maybe yeah. seven. I don't know exactly when aging started there. But a lot of that trend really started probably anywhere from seven to, or maybe four to seven years ago. I'm just waiting for like another five to eight years where a place like Side Project is going to have kind of like a like a 15 year Pappy Van Winkle. Right. They're going to have their their 15 year derivation or or whatever the the new thing's going to be. I'm just. I feel like that's coming, and, and people are, you know, the breweries. They're going to lose their minds. Yeah, I'll be in line for days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. It'll be. <laughs> We're releasing this Saturday, and people literally start lining Monday. up on a Wednesday. Yeah. Local <laughs> housing just goes up in price. Yeah. <laughs> Airbnbs for, uh, for a 50-mile radius doubles. Yeah. But I think it's coming. I think there's so much influence oh, on it. I mean, I think that's absolutely coming and he might have it planned or it might just be that you know like this year's derivation or this blended derivation was so damn good that it's going to be you know because he's got such a library now a catalog of stuff that's so good it's going to give him some more flexibility but well unless camp last uh comment about barrels is you know you have to remember there's a there's a big difference between a french oak and an american oak right these yep. french oaks are going to be a lot lighter they're not going to influence your flavor as much and, and that's really why you see the bourbon industry using american oak because it's a much heavier flavor oh yeah yeah and you need those to support that and then you want like all these belgian lambics to be you know really light on the oak but they still shine i mean they still shine and the assumption is that they're always using French oak. I, mean, I would assume. I mean, the Belgians <laughs> and the French get along to a degree. <laughs> I mean, the Lambics actually started before American oak even was possible. I mean, there so. you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And they laugh at us with their, uh, their uh, um, what they call it, Amlam, American Lambics. You know, Amlam. <laughs> you know, the tri- method traditional, which, you know, all Lambics come from Belgium, but not all... Um, not all American, in no American lambic style can be called a lambic. It's like, well, it's similar to gin. gin. The gin industry is the same way, right? They call them now American gins because they don't have the same backbone that a lot of the dry gins that come from, say, England or even Scotland now. Yeah. yeah. And the lambics in Belgium would have a 
tariffs on the American barrels coming That's in. Right. <laughs> yeah, nice. Or vice Our versa. Our local store will remind you about how uh, they have to price it because of tariffs. Yeah. <laughs> You know, once once he starts, once our president starts touching my my alcohol, that's when I get pissed. <laughs> yeah. Steel's fine, booze is not. Yeah. <laughs> this one's kind of spicy. Do you taste a little spice at the end? I definitely taste a little spice. I taste uh, maybe a little more of the Dark Lord base. It almost tastes a little yeah. less marshmallowy yeah. um, mm. than than some previous ones. I think it's really good. No yeah. complaints. Um, I love this Vigneron. <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorite Cantillons. It's it's really not the hype train's not around it, but we've talked about it before because I maybe the first time we had this was on. I don't know if we recorded that day or not, but maybe we had it at your house, and I've just always loved that. But the Hanji's great. I know we were trying to keep this little wine focused, but it's barrel aged. You couldn't help yourself. I couldn't help myself, and Ryan cannot help himself from pulling. We needed a, a stout. Aged we needed a stout. Yeah. My like cellar's it. overflowing. Something needed to. <laughs> oh, what a problem! Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First, first world first problem. World problems. <laughs> so, uh, we got a couple other good ones, but I'd like to do a little blind pour. So, what we're going to do is take a brief timeout. Um, I think we designated Dylan to go grab us some blind pours, and what the rest of us are going to do is just kind of drink and talk about what's uh, what's in our glass. All right. Perfect. Cheers. We'll be back. This is Neil Fisher from Wellworks Brewing Company, and you're listening to the Pints and Provisions podcast. So how many? And science. Science. All right, we're back. Well, we got some black glass pours. Dylan grabbed off the wall here at Poor Brothers, the pour your experience, pour the experience. So uh, if you're in the Peoria Heights area, come down to Poor Brothers. Saturday night, live, free concerts of some great bands. Uh, you can get... A myriad of 16 taps on the wall. Great cocktails. Patios open. Bring food. Bring dogs. Bring kids. Great time. So that's my little plug. They don't pay me to say that. I just think it's one of the best places here to have a drink. And play cards. And play cards. Oh, bring the wife. Play cards. Euchre. Bring the kids. Euchre. Bring the kids. grab Grab a pizza. Grab some barbecue upstairs. A lot of good options. Yeah. Especially with the nice weather outside. Huge patio. Yeah. It's summer. It's hot as sweltering, suffocatingly hot right now. But, concert tomorrow? Uh, Saturday. Saturday's concert. Saturday. I don't know who they have. I, they had uh, North 41 on Saturday. I really wanted to come, but the uh, 4th of July weekend festivities were very busy in my house. Oh, we were baseball. Oh, yeah. Baseball. And the humidity? In the humidity, my seven-year-old held up very well, very well. But so did Dad with his uh, with his Yeti. <laughs> with well, the Pilsners, the yeah, the pil- yeah. Pilsners. <laughs> Does every dad have a Yeti at those tournaments? I, th- I think this. The the thing is, like when you go, you realize how many people are drinking Yetis, <laughs> and then you realize how many people brought a drink to the game. <laughs> I'm taking notes. We have a baby due next week. Oh, Whoa. first one, little boy. How are you here? Yeah, you Old, get the, He's watching his phone. He's watching his phone. <laughs> he's still at work. I, <laughs> it's to the point where I. <laughs> it's to the point where I definitely make sure I go to the conference rooms that have the best cell phone service. 
Yeah, we take walks around our neighborhood, and now we've noticed all the Yetis and things. It's like, oh. It's not water. Come on, man. <laughs> we did. We started with solo cups a while back. We're like, we're not really hiding anything, but everyone else seems to be. Yeah. This is a pretty clean beer. Agreed. Clean. Yeah. Um, not a not an adjuncted beer. Not sour. Not sour. Not a stout. Not a mead. Not a mead. They do have meads here. Ciders, not a cider. It's uh, it's got some good hot bitterness on the end. I feel like it's got a good like, um, you know, like skunky bitterness on the smell, which I'm starting to think like blonde pilsner, lager, Kolsch. Kolsch, you know, Kolsch. something light, sub five percent. It's a little heavier. I would I would have said it's closer to six percent. It's a little heavier than a Kolsch. I agree. It's probably heavier than a Kolsch, but not a lot of hops. It's got a de- decent amount of bitter backbone, yeah. though. At the end, it's not floral, fruity, or piney, though. So I don't find that it's probably even like a session. No, it's definitely not a hazy. Oh no, not it's I was not trying sweet. To, it's I was not trying sweet. not to pay attention Nobody. much to what they had on the wall. It's not sweet. I feel like this is the kind of beer that I've got a pool party to go to this weekend. I could bring this and drink these in the pool. Is it a Pilsner? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Seems a little bit. I don't know. Maybe. It doesn't seem... uh Barley enough for Pilsner, maybe. I don't know. I think it's. Uh, Did I stump you guys a little bit I with this one? It's a Kolsch. No. Well, we're, we're, well we we don't know. You're <laughs> thinking through it, huh? Yeah, we don't know yet. He's All gonna right. he's I'm gonna reveal my original. He's gonna reveal a milk stout or something. No. <laughs> I was gonna say, I kind of held it's mine to warm up because you always get so much more flavor after it warms up. Um, you know, I don't. I just all I get is a little bitterness still on the aftertaste. I'm gonna say not dry hopped. You don't pick up any in the, in the nose. No, no dry hopping. Um, I, I think it's I think it's like a a blonde, a pilsner, something like. I think it's an IPA. I get enough on the nose that I don't think it's a pilsner I just, or a blonde. That's where I'm gonna disagree with I you. I think it's somewhere around six to six and a half percent. I'm sticking with my original. What was, it, right. what was your I, original? I think it's a Kolsch, but right. I would say it's heavy hops in the start of the boil, right? Because it's got quite a bit of what we're saying. It's almost bitter, right? It's got a bitter finish to it, which means your hops, I believe, are at the beginning of the boil. All right, what do we got, Dylan? All right. What these gentlemen are drinking today is a Bell's Brewery mm. Smitten Golden Rye Ale. That's where the spiciness. Ah, now the, the spiciness is so, just like. You guys are beating all around it. It is a dry hopped pale ale. Uh, all right. Is. There you go. I it should is. have said pale because I said six to six and a half percent. And you hit it. It's six percent. Six percent ABV on this one. Hmm. That's, just that's, silence. That's, <laughs> I think I think that's that that's that uh, that's that spiciness. 
You yeah. get that real rye spiciness. I like it. I like it a lot. Like I said, I think that's still a good lawnmower beer, summer beer, hot weather, you know, enjoyable on a hot day. Good. Bells. Another good one. Another good one. Yeah. That's a good one. I, I like I like that choice. So when you said uh, Bells Brewery, I was sitting here thinking, okay, they just came out with something new in a can, either a hazy or... Official? Is it official? That's what it's called, that's yeah. That's their hazy IPA. It's hazy. Okay. So that's what I thought you were going to say. And I was just like, man. It's not a hazy IPA. Yeah. We're good enough. So we're good enough to figure rye, it out. And then immediately, just like you said, Evan, I was it's like, like, oh, there's the spice. There's the spice. It's good. Yeah. Good work. Okay. I could, I could I drink. I like the, seeing Bells do good things. I could. The hype's yeah. gone. People still like Two Hearted. Two Hearted yeah. still. It's still voted probably one of the best IPAs of the year. They do a great job with the Expedition and Barrel-Aged Expedition and uh, yeah. their Old Ale. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but they do terrific their things. Their stouts are Kalamazoo Stout. Kalamazoo. I mean, this yeah. Good, well, good job, I think Bells. they were at the forefront Hop of slam. it. Right? You know, they were, we're and, which means the hype's away. I think Michigan is continually still that sort of underrated but not underappreciated state for beer. So It just kind state. of flies. Phenomenal. Right under the radar of all these super hype train breweries, and you got Bells, you've got Founders, you've got, um, I don't know, where can we go from there? I mean, well, Dark Horse uh, still does great things. Transient, Dark Horse, oh, New Transient. Holland. Um, I'm going to head up to New Holland this year on our way mm. up to Michigan, so I haven't because they're a distillery now as well. I wonder. I'm going to ask these questions, Dennis, to these guys. Like, how, where do they get? Do they still distill all of their stuff? How much do they get brought into maybe, you know, further refine slash um, blend? But now that I've learned these things, especially during this podcast, I think this has been a, a nice eye-opening in terms of uh, especially the distilling industry and world, yeah. but also um, a little bit of the wine, too. Yeah, and uh, I was actually at the grocery store um, before I came here, and I was kind of looking just to see if they had, you know, Urban Chestnut, like we, we oh, were talking about, Live Oak, Zwickle, um, makes the great, European, Lager. Great, great European beers. Urban Chestnut out of St. Louis is yeah. kind of our local version of that. The um, best. The Zwickle, I was, I was really kind of looking for that, to put that in the fridge for the weekend. They didn't have any. Um, but I passed Founders uh, Solid Gold. And it's not yes. a pilsner, but it's you a. You want to talk about it's a, great a pale lager. Yeah, it, there's no hype around it, but just like you said, like it's crushable. They're kind of like beer. In bells. They make a lot of styles. They've got a, a really really broad range of what they do, and it's a terrific beer. And I all and they it comes in like ba- they only had twelve packs, so I was just like, oh, I just don't want to add twelve beers to the fridge right now. But I didn't buy it, but. Tell you another thing that's great about it. Just reminded me of just how good that beer is. It was like, all right, I just want to get out some of the hazy stuff in the fridge and stouts. And the next time I go back, I'm going to be ready to buy some Founders Solid Gold, or or maybe they'll be stocked up on on Zwickel or something like that. Because it's just a great style to have right now, and and they do really good jobs for it. Even though uh, I I agree, you know, there's not a lot of like global or, or nationwide interest for it. Hashtag Pilsner season. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag Pilsner season. It's going to be in the 90s or next couple of weeks, so it's Pilsner season for a while. Yeah, yeah. It's we're now into the the sort of um, the 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 witching hour of summer, where it's going to start just being 
hot all the time. Yeah. And I don't see, and I'm thankful for this, but like less rain on the forecast, which is great. So the pool party on Saturday won't be rained out. Everyone's going to be hot. Everyone's going to want to drink. It'll be fun. The woman at my dry cleaner wanted uh, to remind me multiple times this week that everyone is complaining about the heat. She's from Texas, and she basically just said everyone needs to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree. I think my favorite um, visual of, you know, the seasons in Texas, I saw this once. It had five seasons. It was like uh, 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 fall, (laughs) winter, summer, and August. And August had like the state of Texas on fire. It's like you just don't even go outside. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'm going to extend an appreciation to Dennis and Dylan for joining us. Uh, thanks for all the input, uh, especially Dennis, in terms of what you do at your job, uh, distilling, but also uh, giving us a little insight into the winemaking, which you know you do at home. So yeah. my pleasure. Thank yeah, you. For having thanks, me. Dennis. Awesome. Uh, thanks for having us, guys. Thanks, thanks, Dylan. Thanks, poor brothers. Yeah. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Cheers. All right. Thanks, poor brothers. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, guys.